This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's the world's first anaurapist. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. You don't like my alphabet song? Well, when we're checking the mics, which we do... I got a hot mic here. Hot Every mic. week. <laughs> the mic is always hot. The thing is, is that when I'm like, hey, let's check the levels, and then you get up to it, and then you're like, okay, and then you're silent, and I'm like, <laughs> no. Like, do the alphabet, Nikki. Like, just do the alphabet, and then you're like, A, B, C. And then I start singing. I was singing Goodbye, Moon Men. Or you just pause for a long time, and it's kind of like, I'm in the middle of adjusting, and then you pause for a long time, and then you like... Goodbye, moon man. And I'm like, well, now you're singing and (laughs) it's getting higher and lower. Just talk like you're going to talk. Just do the alphabet like you're going to talk for the show. That's all I'm asking. And we can adjust the levels and we can get the show on the road. Do you say LMNOP? Yeah, of course I do. Or one letter. Right, yeah. LMNOP. LMNOP. (laughs) It's like it's a word. It's a word. Like you're literally spelling a word. In case you're wondering... This is the High Regard Show. Thank you so much for joining us this week. (laughs) Good to have you back. We just keep ourselves occupied. I don't care if you're interested or not at this point in time. (laughs) Obviously, we don't really need you to be entertained. Because we are, and that's all that matters. That's it. And like G.I. Joe cartoon from the 80s said, knowing is half the battle. Yeah. I don't know what the hell we know at this point in time, but it's good to think like we know something. So, um, so yeah. Let's get into what you heard. Do you want to just jump right in like jump that? Jump right in. All right, I can see where this show is going. You heard? Because it goes with like where you're going. So I, I thought that know. we should get into it. I don't know. So this week's You Heard comes to us from Nassau Street between Liberty and John Streets. And it is as follows. Stop being negative. It's a nice ass day. Mm, it is actually a nice it ass really day. It really is a nice ass day. Not I that know it matters to you. The window's open. <laughs> the window's wide open. The sun is here. I went for my first doctor ordered walk. Oh. I'm not there yet. I know you're not. I'm not there yet. But it is... It is. It was nice. Thank you for asking. Yeah. I, you said it was nice. You told me. You told the listeners. <laughs> Who else needs to know? Who are you talking to? What? Is there a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the other day, speaking of, is there a ghost... Tyler, like when we were sitting here last week after you had your little procedure, and Tyler, <laughs> and I, little procedure huh? and Tyler and I were sitting on the couch and there was a noise and it sounded and she was or I was sitting on the couch and she was sitting at the table and like so the doorway is like behind her and I thought I heard you come out. So we were talking and I stopped because I was like, oh, is that dad? And she was like and she like turned around and got like all scared. She was like, is there something behind me? the hell would it be aside from me was it me it wasn't you no oh, that's weird. and then she like got all freaked out and i was just like oh i thought i heard the door open but i guess like she just moved or something and that was this week she heard <laughs> i didn't even know we were in the segment still we, we were we were like it was like inception we were inside. We were like inside, in a segment inside, inside the segment. segment. Yeah. And then we planted a seed for what the show is going to be so that when we come out of it, Inception. <laughs> seed. 
So, so this week we have a guest, <laughs> thankfully for you, luckily for you listeners. <laughs> yeah, we'll shut up in a minute and let this interview play. <laughs> yes. So this week we talked to Neil Bansell, who is the creator of the most races show on Racist? Earth. Races, like race off to the races, R A C E S. All right, it must be your accent. It's not my accent, <laughs> it's intentional actually. So it's called The Most Racist Show on Earth, and it's a traveling, a tra- <laughs> excuse me, it's a traveling comedy show <laughs> that's kind of com- like this was supposed to be <laughs> when we were set out, and then. It turned out to be this sort of thing. I always have some kind of throat issue. I'm sorry. It's not good for a person who does voice art. Okay, well, I can't help it. You're supposed to be a voice artist. (laughs) Morty. (laughs) So it's a traveling comedy show that's coming to the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn on April 11th. Um, And it's actually one of the longest running traveling comedy shows. Um, It's... And... It comes along at a really good time because it celebrates diversity. Like, it has a very diverse cast of characters, of funny characters. Um, Neil will be, you know, he always travels with the show. Yes. But it's it'll be hosted by Drew Thomas, uh, who has, you know, been featured on the Craig Ferguson show, Last Comic Standing. Um, it also features Daniel Torado, who's been, um, who was part of the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival. It also features Iman El Husseini, who's been on CBC, KUT. Her TV credits include a half-hour comedy special on Comedy Network and all sorts of good stuff. Bronx-born Gina Brillon, who's been on Kevin Can Wait, um, or she's de- actually, I'm sorry, she's developing a comedy project produced by Kevin Can Wait star Kevin James. Uh, Shang Wang, who writes for Fresh Off the Boat, ABC's very funny hit, and Rob Hayes, <laughs> who's been on Adam Devine's House Party. So it has a very, you know, very funny, very diverse cast of characters. It does. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of reading you just did. It was did. a lot of reading. It, it was. really was. And I practiced, and I still, like, kind of went off the rails. So was, I'm sorry. Was, but uh, It's good. You did good. You know, I've watched that you could watch this stuff online, and everybody's really, really funny, so you should definitely check it out, and maybe we'll let Neil talk from here. Yeah. Let's just roll that <laughs> fabulous beam footage and get on with it. <laughs> Hi, Neil. It's Nikki from the High Regard Show. How are you? Hey, Nikki. Very good. How are you? Good, good. Is now still an okay time to chat? Yeah, yeah now a perfect time. Super. So, of course, I want to talk about the most races show on earth, um, you know, which you founded in 2005. Can you tell me a little bit just about, you know, kind of how it came to be? Yeah. I mean, uh, originally what happened in, it was 2005, uh, it started in Toronto, Canada which is considered one of the most uh, multicultural cities in the world. And at that time, me and a number of comedians who I was performing with, uh, we were comprised of all different ethnicities, cultures, religions, and uh, it, it really started as a way of, um, of getting us on larger stages. <laughs> it, was, it was about representation. Okay. There, was, there was only a few major call, uh, comedy clubs uh, in Toronto, but it did not seem like we were getting the opportunities that other comedians were getting. So I decided to create something myself. I decided I'm going to do it myself. We're going to do big stages. We're going to put some of the best comedians that I work with, and we're going to create a show that represents everyone in Toronto. And um, it, it, it was it was needed. It was wanted. And, uh, and that's basically how it started out, where it, it was about representation. It was about uh, being able to show the many different faces of Toronto and the diversity right. and have that represented on stage. So, so people just really wanted to see someone like themselves. Right, right. And like, so. Yeah, and we were able to offer that. And, but over the course of, you know, the 12 years that we've been doing this, uh, diversity has gotten, you know, a lot more mainstream. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's really now, at this point, it's all about 
bringing people together who aren't scared of diversity. Right. You know, it's 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 about people who embrace it, who see the value in it, and uh, who aren't you know essentially aren't scared of it. That's that's really who we're, we try to attract to the shows now. And, you know, how has the tour itself, because it started out as kind of this collective, correct? Mm-hmm. And, you correct. know, okay, how has that, you know, kind of the way that you plan tours and, you know, get people involved, has that changed logistically at all in the past 12 years? It, it really hasn't. Um, from Well, I mean, the very start of the show, the very beginning of the show, it was essentially all my friends. Right. <laughs> so uh, it, it was comprised of comedians strictly out of Toronto. Uh, and then as we grew and as we started selling out more shows, um, in my mind, I was like, well, there's tons of talent out there. There's tons of talent in North America. Let's look out in North America. So right. Essentially, finding talent for the show was me on YouTube looking for talent at the very beginning. And it was it was me... Uh, as the producer of the show, essentially looking for talent that that uh, um, had their first of all had their video posted on YouTube, sure. and me, me just reaching out to them personally uh, in some capacity by emailing them any kind of contact information I could find. Right. Uh, but and, and yeah, and that's how that's how I was able to find Sheng Wang and Corey Fernandez and Daniel Torado and. Uh, Gina Brion, it was all about watching their video in 2007, 2008, and uh, and, and seeing and spotting that talent is, is really what it was. And, and it was just me contacting them and saying, this is what I'm trying to do. Do you want to come on board? Right. Thankfully, they said yes. <laughs> and, and as you can see, I mean, the people that we've chosen – have gone on to major success. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I don't know if it's something that I'm doing, but I, I think, I, 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 <laughs> I hope to think that I have an eye for talent, but it, 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 it was a feeling thing more than anything. Right. These comedians, it's, it's authenticity that I look for. It's a, it's a connection with the audience is what I look for um, when right. trying to find talent. So it's, it's evolved in some ways. But essentially, finding the talent for these shows is is uh, either people reach out to me or uh, the comedians themselves who've been in the mm-hmm. show and understand how it works. They will suggest the comedian. Right. So it's a referral type of uh, uh, way of, of, of getting comedians. Uh, it's really an inside job now. Right, right. Absolutely. Where, where comedians refer each other and... Say Neil, you've really got to check out this guy. I worked with him in Tampa or something like right. that. Right, he'd be per- perfect for the show. And then I just reach out to them and ask for some tape. And uh, and yeah, and then more often than not, I trust the people who've been on the show. And has it gotten easier for you, you know, on your end, especially because you know back in like 2007, you know, YouTube was kind of like still kind of finding its footing with the people who weren't on it, you know, like people were starting to like flock to that to see things, you know, so has that kind of changed for you? I mean, like you kind of started kind of when that was happening, you know, so you were kind of ahead of the curve. (laughs) Right. I mean, with, with the internet and and, uh, social media being so accessible, uh, there's different methods of finding talent now uh, through through Instagram, through right. uh, through Facebook. You say a lot through Facebook, actually, but it's still to this day, um, you know, Vimeo or YouTube is the way that that uh, if you put up current video of your set and I find it, you know, I, most more likely than not, I'll sit through it and watch it, or I'll ask you to submit a video to the to the most rated show on Earth website. And I'll I'll view that right, and I I watch every single one, to, and, wow. and you know, I'll get back to them and just say, yeah, you you know you're great, but you're just not right for it. Right. Some comedians have tried to get on it for five years, and I just like to see their progression through those five years, and then eventually get on the show. Right. You know. So what is it? You know, like so so you you seem to be very hands-on you know so like are you at every show you know across the country as it tours you know is it done to suit you most definitely yeah okay cool i I, um i since i created it 
you know, I, I like to be, I like to think of myself as the curator of the, of the show. I mm-hmm. like to think, uh, my whole goal when putting out a show is that it has to be the funniest thing that people have seen. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I, it, I, 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 I definitely um, take that into account for every show. It's not just about putting out comedians of different diversities. Um, it's That's not what it's about. Right. Uh, it, it, I don't want to just put on a comedian just because he's Asian. You know, right. you have to be funny. That's that's the main thing here, right? So, okay. um, I, I go to everything. I, I will watch everything. I, I'm very hands on. I will I will choose the comedians myself. Uh, I'll get input from the comedian from the comedians who've been on it. Mm-hmm. I trust, and uh, yeah, I mean, I produce. I market. I. Uh, do all the promotion. I do all the social media. Um, all the interviews. I, just, I, I pay for everything, <laughs> essentially. You know what's, what's crazy? I, I am a realtor in Charleston, South Carolina. Yes. <laughs> and everything that I earn in real estate, I put towards this show. Oh, Because wow. I believe in it so much. So it's that's, totally that's a labor really of love. <laughs> yeah. So it's a means to an end. I Honestly... Real estate is not exactly the the job that uh, that I would like to do the rest of my life, but <laughs> you know, the, I'm passionate about making the most racist show on earth work. Right. That's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. You know, and and going back a little bit to you know the the center of it, you know, races. It's all these different diversities mm-hmm. on stage. You know, speaking to an audience that is hopefully just as diverse. You know, twelve years after you founded it, race is ridiculously still a major division in a yeah. very di- divided time, especially here in America yeah. right now. You know, how have you seen? the reaction to comedy about race or comedy about politics change from your spot on the stage? Yeah. I mean, even back in 2005, it, um, it was, it was still a topic of discussion back then. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more so now because of the recent election right. and it's becoming more defined because, um, there, you know, people are talking about it way more in social media. Oh yeah, and, and in the news. And there's two sides right now. There's really two sides <laughs> to this to this coin. And there's one that that feels emboldened uh, by the recent election to to think that you know they're they're the majority now, and that it's okay to be scared about diff- about immigrants, mm-hmm. about, about Muslims. So. All that, right? And, and there's the other side that understands that no, this is wrong. This right. Is, this is not right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, it's this. It's coming from a place of ignorance. The other side, right? Not knowing other people, not try, not even trying to know other people, right? Right. So, uh, you know, when growing up in Toronto, I was exposed to all different cultures, and it's that experience of being exposed to those cultures and and different perspectives that has kind of influenced the way I look at, uh, at, uh, race and, and sure. diversity altogether, you know, yeah. moving to the States. Um, I noticed it right away. I noticed the division, uh, right off the bat. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 2006, actually. And it was very black and white. Right. There, you know? And then I moved to Charleston, South Carolina in 2011, and it was even more so in Charleston. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I wondered to myself, why is, why is nobody interacting? Why is, is this is weird to right. me. Right. And it's, but it's come from years and years of, you know, separation. And oh yeah, definitely. No, no trust between each other. So, right. um, that's all we're trying. Well, that's, I, I guess that's all we're trying to do is just create that comedy thing where people can just go watch a show laugh and not even really think about being in the same room at the same time with different people right exactly you know? it's it's an easy way to do it and uh have fun while doing it right <laughs> so um yeah 
Uh, I hope that answers the question. No, it totally does. I mean, and, and especially, okay. yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, I grew up in a very white area of Pennsylvania and it wasn't until, right. you know, and I had, you know, white Republican parents and stuff. So it's like when I moved to New York City and Harlem specifically, it was like, this is a whole new world. And it's like, wow, it was a complete eye opener. And I've completely changed everything that like I ever knew because of where I was brought up, you know, right. so it's, it's, it's interesting to hear that like, you know, we didn't keep it so hidden, the people like that grow up in these little pockets, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of sad. Both sides right now. Like, I, I, I really do. I, my, my in laws are, are staunch Republicans right now. And I, I, you know, I, I don't see, I don't hate them or anything like that. Right. They're really, they're really good people, right? They're just, it's just, uh, um, they, they have been in an area that has been staunchly Republican for all their lives. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and there's, and nobody, no, no people of diversity are moving into that area. Right. You know, there's so, it's a very limited exposure. So what right. I'm trying to do is kind of just with every city that we go to is kind of just softly bring in that diversity, you know, and just be, Hey, you know, there's other people in the world. Right. And there's different perspectives. And it's all good, <laughs> you know. It's okay. You yeah. can still believe what you want to believe, but right. uh, don't don't be ignorant to the other side. Uh, right. You know. Uh, and sp- yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you no, know. No, I'm just. I, it really. I really wanted to to make it work, but it's it's like it's it. You see the division. Yeah. In, everywhere. Right? Yeah. So it's it, and it's so easy to meet because I've lived in Toronto. Like, oh man, diversity is good. Right, absolutely. Let's let's try. Let's make an effort. Exactly. And, you know, and how do you see, you know, the audiences and say a pocket, like if you ever went to where I grew up or, you know, in places where people don't look like the people that are on your stage, you know, how do how do audiences react? And, you know, is there almost like a warming up period for a show? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, the people who, who do come to the show, they already come are coming to the show because they have an open mind. Sure. Right? They're coming to the most racist show on earth, right? So uh, no, however way they, they interpret the, uh, the way that sounds, if they actually see it in print, because we've had people come to the show who thought it was the most racist <laughs> show on earth. <laughs> and, and they're in shock. And they're like, oh, wait, no one's saying racist stuff? What's going on, right? Oh, let me put my KK and, hood back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But but it's fun. It's it's actually that's kind of cool because they start to uh, when they when they're at the show, uh, you know. Sometimes we'll get comments like right? a, a comedian like Drew Thomas will be, <coughs> excuse me, will be on stage, and uh, a comedian went up to him in Charleston, or, or rather, an audience member came up to him in Charleston and just said, you know, I, I didn't think I was gonna laugh at your jokes. But you really made me laugh. Like your jokes were very relatable, right? right? And and that's the thing is that the comedians aren't saying all race jokes. They're not saying all ethnic jokes or or anything. They're just saying jokes, They're right? Just saying things that are funny that everybody can relate to, and that's that's really the the biggest thing. I think uh, people just realize that halfway through the show that oh man, he he has the same issues that I do. Right. You know, he thinks the same way about politics or he thinks the same way about, you know, love life, sex, religion, stuff like that. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, we're not, I'm not, I'm not here to change anybody's minds. I'm, I'm, I'm just here to put a good show on and, and get, bring people together. That's really it. Right. And, you know, April 11th is going to be your first date in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, what are you right. excited about, you know, for bringing the show here for the first time? I actually, a lot of the comedians who've been on the show are from New York, Mm -hmm. they're from LA, and uh, the biggest thing in in New York is, you know, the reason I chose Brooklyn was because I felt that there's real people in Brooklyn. Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) there's there's real real people. It's not like going into Manhattan and you'll get a bunch of tourists coming to the show. Right. I wanted to reach out to the people who actually uh, believe in what I believe. Right. Uh, and Brooklyn is a very diverse uh, location in New York, you know. So I'm, I'm really just excited to, to put a show on in New York. It's a long time coming, and uh, I wanted to do it right. So that's why, you know, I brought back Sheng Wang from L.A. Mm-hmm. and uh, have Gina Brion from the Bronx. Right. In, and I wanted a good mix of people who've, who've been there with me since 2008, you know, and who have gone on to major success. Like Gina and like Shing Wang, you know, and 
you know, Shanks is a lead writer for Fresh Off the Boat. Right. On ABC. I mean, that's a major, major thing. And uh, he's, I mean, he's hilarious already, as is. So um, it's just, it's like a, a homecoming of sorts for, for some of them. So awesome. I think it'll be a, a really good, good thing. Awesome. And you are going to take the tour to, you know, other urban cities, you know, like LA and Dallas and Chicago, which have all had, you know, major race issues within just the past year alone. You know, was there any trepidation kind of touching the tour down there with such a diverse group of comedians? Not at all. No, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty safe because I mean, we make people laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and honestly, I reach out to people who believe in what we believe. Right. So it's not like the people coming to the show are protesting. Uh, you know, diversity. Right. They're, they're all there because they they want to uh, show that they embrace diversity. Right. And they 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 see that there's a value in it. So that's right. the, the those are that's the audience that that we you know we continually go and and strive to perform for. Awesome. And so now let's delve a little bit into you, sir. How did you get into sure. comedy? <laughs> Uh, well, actually, I started in, my first time on stage was in 1997, uh, April 14th, 1997. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, at a comedy club in Toronto, the uh, Yuck Yucks Comedy Club chain, where uh, a bunch of different Canadian comics uh, grew up and started out. At. Right. And it, it really, you know, I just, I, I realized in high school that I, I could make people laugh. And I had really no fear of going on stage. So um, it was a natural progression. And then uh, I, I guess, you know, the first time I got on stage, like every other comedian, it just, you just kind of felt like, oh, this is a really cool spot to be. <laughs> you know, you know? It, it made me nervous. It definitely always made me nervous. Right. On stage, but uh, uh, going up and talking to people was not a problem for me. So um, it, it really got, I, I think I really got serious about it when I got into college. So, and uh, I went to, uh, the Humber School of Comedy in in Toronto. It was the only accredited college in, <laughs> that would offer degrees and diplomas in comedy. Oh my gosh, so, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, I got. I actually am certified funny. I have a diploma <laughs> in comedy, writing and performance that says that I am certified funny. And, uh, that's awesome. So that's that's uh, yeah. If anyone says no, Neil's not funny, I'll be like, well. This document begs to differ. That I just so happen to have in my back pocket. <laughs> exactly. I, I laminated it, and uh, it's, it's ready to go. So, uh, that's, uh, yeah, and then just being in that environment of everyone wanting to be com- a comedian. Right. Um, that was probably the best experience of my life. Uh, in terms of being able to write with like-minded people, right? And, uh, perform with like-minded people. So, I mean, I've kind of transitioned now into uh, producing. Okay. But uh, I still will get on stage every once in a while. All sure. right. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. And of course, you know, I did know that you were a realtor because I'm a good pre-interviewer stalker, (laughs) as I like to say. So does that, like when you do find yourself on stage, you know, do you find, does that kind of career inform any of the jokes that you make or, you know, any of the horror stories that I'm sure you've come across with clients? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, uh, with clients, uh, they're surprised to find out that I do stand-up comedy because I'm, I I keep the two worlds very separate. Okay. I try to, you know, comedy is a great way to communicate. So when I talk to people uh, in terms of selling a house or right. buying a house, I, I just approach it in the comedy sense and I just kind of feel them out and see where they're at. Right. It's really no pressure. If you like the house or don't like the house, it's fine with me. Right. It doesn't matter, <laughs> it doesn't ma- matter to me. But uh, I, I've never actually done any real estate jokes okay. because uh yeah it's 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 not i don't i don't i guess i don't find it funny that much. <laughs> yeah i guess I don't, Fair it's enough. not that funny of a profession so you won't have a hybrid hgtv show anytime in your future <laughs> no, no no i don't think so although i i was thinking about it maybe i should maybe i should do an open house comedy club or something like that you should <laughs> that would bring a lot of attention to a house that should, and that would, nobody else would do something like that. So there you go. You just helped me come up with a very good idea. So that might be implemented in the next YouTube video. <laughs> well, I expect my commission in the mail, all right? 
And finally, since we are on the topic of still both comedy and real uh, real estate, you know, what's harder, fulfilling a home buyer's likely extensive wish list or teaching tolerance through humor? What is more difficult? <laughs> um, I, I would say I would say that. Uh, oh boy, this is tough. The co- comedy is always difficult. Comedy is always hard because you know you just never know who's going to be in the audience, right? Right. So it, it's a lot easier now. It's, it's just because uh, you over time you start to develop uh, your core audience who understands exactly what you're trying to do, and they'll come out and they'll be a super fan for life. Right. You know. Um, and that's, and, and in Toronto, it's, it's like that. We've already sold out one show in Toronto. So, uh, we're, we're looking at selling out a second show, oh, there. Awesome. but that's because they've seen it. They've been there. They've, they've seen the show for over 10 years now. Right. So doing real estate is easy. Real estate is, is easy. It's, it's all about, it's all about, uh, communication and not being one of those slimy real estate agents right. that just wants a sale. Right. <laughs> and you can feel those guys, um, or guys and girls, like a, a mile away. They're just like, real sleazy. I'm, like, I'm not like that. I really don't care if you buy a house or not. <laughs> I, I want you to do what's best for you. That's, I want everybody to win. That's what I want. I guess I, that's, that's the Libra in me. Uh, very even keeled and wants the best for everybody all right well fair enough fair enough i'll let that answer (laughs) slide then awesome cool well thank you so much neil it was so great to talk to you and we definitely look forward to checking the show out next month awesome all right have a great day sir okay bye-bye And we're back. Hello, hello. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are again. (laughs) It's like deja vu, isn't it? It is like deja vu. Hmm. So that was our interview with Neil Bansell of the most races show on earth. Racist? (laughs) Races. All right, all right, all right. God, but that was, I think, like, (laughs) honestly, like, that was just so funny when he's like, you know, some guy came to the show and was like, wanted it to, like, thought that it was racist. I think I know that guy. (laughs) I think I I know him. I think I know all of his friends. Yeah, honestly, like, I think, like, and I was like, did you go to Pennsylvania? Like, did that happen in Pennsylvania? Did we spend the holidays with him? (laughs) 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 We might have. I don't know. I'm not really sure. And that's just, like, so sad. Like, why would, like... How is that a thing? Like, and I mean, and like I say in the interview, you know, I'm not saying that I was racist when I lived in Pennsylvania or when I was like, you know, a Republican a couple of years ago, like for my whole life, because that's what my life was. Like your life is what you know until you get out of there. Well, that's it. You're kind of like when you're living in a place like Pennsylvania, where there's like not a lot of diversity. It's not hard to become a racist without actually having the intent to be a racist. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there are really, really good people in Pennsylvania who have become racist just by default somehow because it's just their circumstances around them. Right, like they or don't Kansas have or Alabama or, you know, Oklahoma, Texas. Like, right. it's just because it's what your world was. Right, and if you don't have diversity and the only time you hear of other races is when they're in the news doing something fucking crazy mm-hmm. like shooting at cops or something like that and you're not hearing the stories about the cops killing them every day because right, you're exactly. not in a major market. That would, yeah, where that kind of news is not something that, right. well, they don't need to know that. Right. Like yeah. here in New York, it's kind of like, you know. You get both they sides. They have no yeah. choice yeah. but to say like, hey, listen, the police fucked up and shot, you know, a kid today. and mm-hmm. this Or had prior infringing, infringements before they, you know, were re- responsible for the death of two unarmed black men. Like, right. Because that's, you know, not making national news because they want to kind of keep yeah. it on the down low. But when cops get shot at. You know, the unions make it a point to say, let's get this out there. We can't have the cops getting shot out because they're protecting people. And when you're in an environment 
that doesn't have the people who are shooting at the police yeah. around. And it's kind of like, oh, well, then they must be bad. And then now you are building racism. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's part of the reason that plays into that problem, too. Like, when the Ferguson riots and stuff happened after Michael Brown was killed, like, all you were seeing was, like, the aftermath of that. And you can't blame them for, for rioting. You can't blame them for wanting change. No, you. It had to come to a point where there was... A boiling was, point, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely did. We were watching some new special the other night. Uh, yeah. I forgot what it was, but it was about, like... It was on Vice, yeah. Oh, yeah, and they were talking about, like, the police shootings that had happened, mm-hmm. like, over the summer or And whatever. how cops are even... How, like, the reporter was riding around with a cop, like a black cop. And the black cop is like, I'm scared to drive around. As of when I'm off duty, like he is scared to drive around. I think that they were well, in Ferguson or St. Louis. Yeah, and he was, they were in St. Louis. And the, and the funniest thing about him was, is he, him saying that he was afraid to drive around plain clothes because he said on, on four different occasions, he was pulled out of his car and had police drawn weapons on him to the point where he thought he was going to be killed. Mm-hmm. And he became a cop after right. that situation okay. to try to like help relations. And now, not only does he still have to worry when he's in plain clothes that the police might target him, but he also has to worry about the black community or any community, I guess, really, that feels they're being targeted by police, which is mostly the black community, which is being targeted sure. by police, you know, taking shots at him now because he's wearing a uniform. Exactly. So, like, he is he can't dead win. in the middle. Yeah. Like, this guy yeah. is just, you know, n- never not looking over his shoulder because it is. And this is basically what race has come down to. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it's not... It's, you know, we know that it's been around since the 1800s. It's been around since, you know, it had its boiling point in the 60s. And, like, it's having its boiling point now. And it's just, like, it's so sad to think that, like, these things, like, you know, you see the pictures from the protests of, like, the women, like, especially, like, you know, you see the older women at, like, the Women's March. And you see, you know, people at the Black Lives Matter March holding signs. And I've seen this going through the photos, you know, as a journalist for stories and stuff. Like, I can't believe we're protesting this fucking shit again. Like, yeah, come the same on. argument all the time. Like, it's it's never not the same. It, the details might change a little bit, but it's the same shit. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, and it's sad that like, you know, and it's great that there are things, you know, like like this, the most racist show on earth that's been around for, you know, t- almost 12 years or 12 years. You know, it was founded in 2005. And it's been like, it picked up on these kind of things. Because when you think about race, like you usually, especially for someone who, you know, wasn't as involved in the conversation as I am now as as a journalist or as somebody living in a very diverse community, you know, in in the mid-2000s, for a lot of people, it was just like, oh, the race things, that was stuff that happened back in the 60s. That wasn't something that's happening now in my little vanilla world, you know? Because you were sheltered because, by Exactly. It. But if you were living in this city... Or in Atlanta, like he was Atlanta, when he moved in St. there. Louis, yeah, I mean, you would know, like, big cities that have, you know, melting pot cities. Sure, it's always yeah. the melting pot yeah. cities where this is the news every single every night. night. Every <laughs> single night. It's kind of like, there's another race thing. But then you become so desensitized by it that you're kind of just like... I know it sucks, but there's so much of it. What do you do about it? And, you know, at least now we're to the point where we can add humor to it and try to educate through that because everything else isn't working. Right. You know, so, I mean, at least it's a different approach to. And we've talked about this before, not on the air, I don't think ever, but the fact that we've always said, like, isn't it weird how certain groups will, like, be louder than others when it comes to race. But like you never in the in the past for the most part, you've mm-hmm. never heard of like, you know, Filipinos saying, I feel discriminated against or like, you know, Chinese people saying, I feel discriminated right. against. Like it, it it's always usually like Although black that people is starting saying, a little bit more, especially well, with yeah. Hollywood, you know, with and the whitewashing. Yeah. One hundred percent should. But but I think it's got to the point of economics is catching up with it as well mm-hmm. where you know you see like people like fighting for 
that piece of, you know, Hollywood or whatever. Right. Just to, to get out there. And, and you know, because, I mean, that's where the majority of money for people is being made. It, it's happening mostly in sports and entertainment. Right. So, I mean, they're fighting for this this thing to, to get up to the point where they're like, oh, man, you know, the only way to be equal is to have enough money to say, shut the fuck up. Right. You know, because money is the only thing that can make people shut the fuck up by right. the time it's all said and done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now that you're starting to see, like, I would say more than ever, you're starting to see, at any point in history, you're seeing more black entertainers and stuff in, like, the mainstream. Right, of course. And and it's sad that it's like, oh, they're in the mainstream. Like, Right. I mean, this is where they should <laughs> Yeah, been, they should have been, like, there never should right be, like, oh, it's a black sitcom, it's a white, it's just a TV show. Like, it's a show, and it's funny. It's That's right. There was... You know how many Led Zeppelins before Led Zeppelin came along and turned it into Led Zeppelin, right? <laughs> you stealing bastards. I hate you all. Anyway. Oh, like you would have even been into like Robert Johnson. You would never listen to that kind of music anyway. I wouldn't, but I knew there was something wrong with those motherfuckers. Oh, shut up. Those weird. And Robert Johnson wouldn't have been singing about gnomes and fairies and shit like that anyway. But they weren't. They didn't just sing about gnomes and fairies, Tom. Whatever you 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 put it the way you want, because you're a fan of that horrible group. I don't care. Stay away to heaven one more time. Just put a bullet in my head for Christ's sakes. Where is this even coming I don't know. from? I don't know. But it's nice to see that, like <laughs> now, other people, you know, like are saying, like, hey, you know what? Like, let's put more diversity on TV as opposed to just black shows and white shows, and you know, yeah, like, like you know, fresh off the boat. Yeah, like I mean, fresh off the boat, man. Yeah, I mean that's like huge, and you know, to, to have a show where you're pulling like that type of talent in and giving people a voice. Who, for the most part, get buried when it comes to like racial the fight. issues. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it's good. It's good. It is. So, stamp of approval. <laughs> you got it. You got my stamp of approval. Mine, you know. Nikki's still the on the fence. I the just wanted to white, say. <laughs> the great white man, Tom. <laughs> you got his stamp of approval. And let me tell you, though, he does not give those out very easily. And he's. He's quite the bitch. He's barely white because he's half Italian. I mean, seriously, when it comes right down to it, right? So, Nikki, you definitely can't call Nikki white. She's all Italian. Forget it. Oh, my God. It. Shut up. You're making it worse. <laughs> like, just shut up. You're making it worse for the, all the races right now. <laughs> <laughs> just stop talking. <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> Good Lord. You alone will put Helter Skelter in the place. Just end it now. So... <laughs> Anyway, so, anyway, so I also like the idea that he <laughs> oh. was able to, you know, like during the interview we were talking about what you were talking about, um, the fact that it takes so much time to cultivate a comedian before he'll take them on the tour. Right. Like he doesn't right. just take you, well, because you need to fill this slot. Like, you know how some people, how some like Hollywood will throw in like, oh, we need an Asian face because of diversity. Like, no, he's not just putting on, you know, an Asian, a black, a white, a, you know, to, to because it's like, oh, like I'm going to put you there because I need that kind of person on our roster. It's like, no, you're funny and that's why you're there. Yeah, and you know what's weird is that, like, lately, just lately, there has been, like, a couple of shows that have been coming out where it talks about comedic life and, like, the life of comics, let's mm -hmm. say. And they make it look like it is so difficult to become a comedian. Like, you have to do, jump through so many hoops to, like, well, get stage do. time you, and Well, you do. You know that. But you could just go and pay your five bucks and go to an open mic. And just be like, look, man, I know it's not going to be a great show. It's me just practicing material so that I can get a great show eventually. Right, so that you can better yourself and your experience. Right, but you can get on stage with not too much effort if you just do the research. Like, honestly, anybody can get on stage. I've been to clubs where people who've never taken a comedy class, it would be like their birthday – They'd be drunk off their asses and just said, I decided by my 21st birthday I was going to do, like, a stand-up routine. And they would just go up on stage and just 
talk about how their day was and it'd be like this is the most awful shit I've <laughs> ever heard in my entire life now is that at like open mics uh, yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. alright well open mics are just terrible creatures but you can get the stage time is what I'm saying right. and they make it seem like it's so difficult to get stage time it's not hard to become a comic. It's not hard to get stage But it's time hard to become up. a comic that people want to go and see. That's, That's the, the thing. hard part. So like That's just because you're on part. stage doesn't make you a comic. No, not at all. Not in the least. You can get stage time, but it is great to see that people aren't just saying, oh, this is, I need an Asian. I need a black guy. Oh, yeah. I need like a Spanish guy. I need a white guy just to bring the United Benetton color tour <laughs> to your town. And it's kind of like, if I, it's not funny, it doesn't really matter who you right, bring with you right. at the end of the day. So, you know, it's, it's timing, man. It's like one of those things where you got it. The one consistent rule with comedy, like in studying it is that it doesn't really matter if you if you are the most personable person and you can make people laugh at work and stuff like that and you can make people laugh at home at the end of the day you need to put in a certain amount of time before everything gels together right. like your skin gets tough you you know you can handle like the criticism from the audience from the other comedians people not laughing right you can handle all of that and then just kind of throw it back out there and make something out of and it. and i think that's yeah and that's like when you're able to finally just be like it gels yeah definitely right. because you've gotten through the trenches of right. then the you can say world. you're a comedian yeah because you've survived and you just keep going up there like poor d and always sunny when she like gets to the comedy <laughs> 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 that would be me like i would get up there and be like uh, yeah, that's pretty much yeah that's that was what i do every week on the I show that was kind of like yeah usually it's just you like going <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, but I guess it's the same for every field. Like everybody just wants to, you know, everybody just wants to wake up and be in charge, you yeah. know? And yeah. it's kind of like, you got to put in your time. Right. So I love hearing interviews when people say, like, you know, I might see somebody that they might have something, but I might wait five years before I decide right. to like throw them in a show yeah. because I want to see where they go before taking him out right and I love that like he went to a comedy college like that was just and I actually looked it up and it's like hum I think it's Humber I think that's how you pronounce it Humber College in Toronto and the courses which is really cool because you know like you took a comedy class you it took was not a comedy college no I'm just saying, like it wasn't like a comedy college right? but it was a class that taught you how to write a joke how to like and I think like that very first class that you wrote or that you took was the best class that you could have taken because it taught you timing because as everybody knows Tom gets long-winded sometimes well and I think like it really helped you like <laughs> you know learn pacing and timing and take a goddamn breath and story you know and that's i think that's really important but this school was like an actual like college and like courses include stand-up improv script writing sketch comedy and also like the business aspects of the of the profession which i think is really important too because you've seen we've all seen like the the tv shows about comics or heard about them like getting screwed out of money and you know how to because like you don't want to be the kind of person that like like i think it's very unnatural for most of the population to be like it's time for you to pay me well, like that's a very uncomfortable uncom conversation listen there are two types of people and no it is almost impossible to find somebody that goes and transcends both there's business people mm -hmm. and there's everyone else. Like a hustler. There's hustlers and then there's just That's why rustlers. entertainment people have managers. Yeah. Because they can either entertain or they can right. get their money. But entertaining and getting your money, it is rare. I wish I had an agent. you can do both. Because I get myself fucked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you want a pimp. No, oh, okay. I don't. I want okay. like a business manager to do, my, thing. Whatever. <laughs> to do my negotiations for me. <laughs> Can I have it? <laughs> but one of the things too that the school includes is a weekly show at, you know, the, the comedy club where uh, Neil had his first show at Yuck Yuck's Comedy Club. 
I love that. It's awesome. I love yuck yuck. yuck Reminds yuck. me of those stickers, those yuck yuck. Right? Were they Mr. Yuck stickers? I don't know. Where were they? They were like the what were they like the poisonous stickers or something? You what? Like weren't they like they were like stickers to like teach kids not to like touch things that like yeah it was like poison and he's like Ugh. and he like sticks his tongue out like. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yuck, he's a trademark graphic image created by the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. Well, there you go. You remember him. It must him. be Look a Pennsylvania him. thing, I guess. No, it's not. I don't think you I've ever seen that. You have never. Listeners, have you ever seen a Mr. Yuck sticker? It's green and it has like a smiley face, but he has his tongue out and he's like, Ugh, like he just ate poison. When you say listeners, do you mean all the people we made fun at in the beginning of this segment that live in Pennsylvania <laughs> who no longer are listening at this point of the show because we call them out on their racism? Shut up. <laughs> Who's ever left, left listening from Pennsylvania? Have you ever heard of Mr. Yuck Yuck? And if so, can you please verify Nikki's story? <laughs> That's all she wants. He's is a some There's a PSA that we're going to watch after we're done. Oh, fab. You're welcome. Okay, great. <laughs> so. So there we have it. There we have it. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about the most races uh, show on earth, um, they're going to be, pl- it'll be uh, touching down at the Knitting Factory on Tuesday, April 11th at 8 p.m. Tickets are $20 and we'll have all the show info for you right on our show description as we always do. And 20 bucks is cheap considering the caliber of entertainment that you're going to get. Yeah, it's going to be a really good time, and you all should check it out. That's it, man. Please do. We're giving you enough time. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, we're giving you a, week to, a week's notice. So, again, if you want to, um, you know, you can find M-R-S-O-E on Facebook. Please do. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What's next Let's get into a roly poly rorty. Oh, good. Roly poly rorty. Roly poly rorty. Okay, so roly poly, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Oh my god, man. I don't know. I don't think I'm ever going to get better at this point in time. I think you're just working on it. Like, you're just. You're like they said that it's gonna be a couple days, you know, after your surgery, and it's been a couple days, and you got her heal. I guess so. Kidney stones are bad. Kidney stone operations maybe worse. They're supposed to make it better. I feel honestly, it just makes it worse. I'm sorry. Pain medicine is good. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot of pain medicine and. The weird disruptiveness that comes with pain medicine-induced sleep, (laughs) which lasts for a solid four hours, and then you wake up in agony four hours later, and then you're like, well, I guess that's it for the next 20 hours. That's all I'm going to get. If I'm lucky, I might do it. But then you're just kind of like just laying from one place to the next. Yeah, it's it's been very sloth-like around here. It really has. And next week will be... I think the first week returning to work full time, which is going to be very, very interesting. And to everybody's surprise, as they're just like, I cannot believe you're returning to work after getting surgery on Monday and returning to work the following week. And it's yeah. kind of like, well, really, it's been a third surgery. The third one was on Monday. Third so. time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're just at this point in time, it's like, I got to get back and do it. Yeah, it's but, just you got to just throw yourself back into it, you know, and it's just it's going to suck no matter what, because work, they wouldn't call it work if it was fun or something. Is it fun? I don't know. I think some people have fun at work. Like, you know, on occasion, it might be fun, but on a daily who basis. In the, who are these people who are having fun at work? I don't know. People who are assholes. Like, seriously, I think that the day that we start getting paid for this show. <laughs> Like, honestly, like, we're going to get, like, a sponsor at some point in time, and we're going to get, like, a paycheck. We're going to cash that $5 check, and we're going to look at it. At, we're going to look at our bank accounts. We're going to be, like, going, fuck the man. This show is shit <laughs> at this point in time. Like, who wants to be doing this anymore? We're going to go office space all over everything. <laughs> Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> 
Like, I think once you start getting paid for something, it's no longer a passion. And it's, you know, you you come to rely on the money that it brings. Of course. Yeah. It's like what you got to do, man. And it's messed up because some of the stuff that I do, like, that I don't get paid for, I say, man, I wish this could be our job. Like, when we go and we do stuff, like, you know, when we travel around and take photos for different events mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and we, you know... It's not like we don't get anything for them. I mean, they get sent out to magazines and sure, like, yeah. big websites and stuff like that. And it's recognition and it's, you know, experience. Right, of course. Yeah, it always feels good. Do these cool things. Feels good. But I mean, you know, if it was like, all right, well, this is your job now. At some point in time, I'd be like, oh. Yeah. Now I got to like travel somewhere and take pictures <laughs> of something. Where when it was free, it was like, yeah, we're getting to go because like, it's I'm a so, privilege. Yeah, I'm so tired because I worked all day and now I got to do this after night. But then it's like, no, this is awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, you know, so I don't know anybody who like enjoys their job. I think people enjoy things that they do during a day. But yeah, on occasion. Yeah, I think like everybody has like their moments where they're like, wow, this was really great. I'm glad I got to do this. But yeah. But I think like whenever there is the slightest thing wrong with you and you have something to complain about, it just amplifies everything oh, to yeah, like 10,000 times worse than what it actually is. Because negativity is. is so much more easy to is, – is so much easier to like focus on. Well, especially us because we say we're not experts on things except for negativity. We are experts on negativity. I try not sure. to be so negative. I think you're more negative than I am. People can't even walk in their own apartment upstairs without you yelling at them. Fuck <laughs> that. Fuck that. That is ridiculous because they are pieces of shit, those people. They stomp you can't pick around. And no, they stomp around. You're negative around. or you're not negative. That doesn't make me negative. That I live behind, I live underneath people who literally stomp around and fight day in and day out 24 7. How, how is that? It's not negative. It's just who can take that? I wonder, like, if they stay in good shape because of all the punches being thrown and stuff. Like, they're always doing that physical shit. And, like, they're older. It's very strange. Yeah. And it's not, like... And, and you know, like, the, we reach some points where we're like, do we need to call the cops? But it... it and, it, honestly, it's reverse domestic abuse because, like, it's her knocking the shit out of him. Which is weird because he seems like he'd be able to take her if he really wanted to. I don't know. She... I've seen her a couple times. She's like, oh, goddamn bulldog. Oh. I never seen her before. I've only heard her scream. She's like coming. She got her medicines taken away. From yeah, her. she did get her medicine used loosely. <laughs> Very loosely. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like the old uh, hallucinogenics <laughs> medicines. But I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. we are done. I mean, you could whisper it into the <laughs> microphone. It doesn't mean people won't hear you say it just because you. W- we're done. I'm like, are we? I don't know. We are. I think we're done. So, because like really, nothing's really changed with Rolling Nothing's really changed, so. man. Everybody's sick. Everybody's negative. dying and negative. And this is, you know, Nikki being positive sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag suck it. <laughs> All right. So that's it for this week's Roly Poly Roddy. And yeah, suck it. Um. That's it. That's, that's it. That's our got. show. That's all we got. That's literally all I got. <laughs> I got nothing else know, to you give at like, this point in time. You were like, like, what's the word? Swaying back and forth. So yeah. we need to get you back on your couch. Seriously, I feel like Rain Man right now. It's uh. Well, you kind of look like him too. Well, yeah. I think like him as well. <laughs> counting cards. Counting cards. Oh my God. I love that movie as a kid. Yeah, I know. So again, thank you so much to Neil for speaking to us about the most racist show on earth, which takes place again April 11th at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn at 361 Metropolitan Ave definitely check it out yep all that information will be on our website thank you again neil we do appreciate it and if you want to learn anything else about us you can go to our website for that as well it is highregardshow.com and if you feel like writing us letters about nikki's dumb face and her stupid actions you can send us email (laughs) about all of her ridiculousness to highregardshow at gmail.com luckily for me you can't see it but you might be able to see it maybe on social media someday at highregardshow luckily for you you can't see it um that's really what it comes down to thanks everybody for listening have a good week good night
The world can be one together, cosmos without hatred, stars like diamonds in your eyes. The ground can be space, 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 with feet marching towards a peaceful sky. All the moon men want things their way. But we make sure they see the sun. Goodbye, moon man. You say goodbye, moon man. Goodbye, moon man. Goodbye. Shut the fuck up about Moon Men!